Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the beauty, the truth, and the goodness only you can offer, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a monthly journey into the world of Catholic education, where we explore what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your co-host. And I'm Kyle Pietrantonio. Uh, today we have the pleasure of talking with someone I've known a long time. Thomas Clements and I were colleagues at Holy Spirit Prep in Atlanta, uh, where Thomas uh, was a theology teacher and I served uh, as head of school. Thomas holds a master's degree in theology from Franciscan University. And he's also built and led various retreats, formed cate catechists, given talks, and used uh, his musical talents in praise and worship and bringing young people to the Lord. He's now the founder and president of Zenith Ministries, a new program located in Atlanta. Uh, Thomas, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks so much. I, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm, I'm really excited to, to be here today. Thomas, I know that Zenith Ministries is relatively new. Can you begin by telling us a bit about this apostolate, how it came to be, what you're doing with it? Sure. Well, to, to get in how it came to be, we have to go back a number of years. You know, in my, in my youth, uh, you know, I had issues with addiction, uh, drugs and alcohol. And uh, at the age of 21, the Lord just poured himself out upon me, you know, first introduced himself to me and then. Uh, kind of led me out of the prison that I was in. And then, uh, so I was, you know, living this new life and, you know, still had, you know, some issues, you know, some of the things, underlying issues that were, that kind of led to the drinking. So not only did he free me of my, my chains to addiction, but then he poured out healing upon me over the years since then. And, you know, I got into teaching because uh, I wanted to, you know, help young people escape the, the mistakes and problems that I fell into. But then I saw more and more that it might be more productive or, or beneficial or fruitful to, to then instead try to help those who've already fallen into them, you know, find the same healing that I did. So I, I basically, I saw those, you know, the, the, the Gen Z and millennial generations kind of get bombarded by our culture and get tremendously wounded. And my, desire was to help them find the same healing that I did. And, and God kind of had put it on my heart over the years. And, and I finally, you know, just jumped out and, and said, yes, Lord, let's do this. And yeah, so last June, last June, we really started to focus more on it. And then we kicked things off in July and we've had successful events. 
the gatherings that we call summits once a month. We've had a, a day retreat and we're preparing for another one as well as a one-on-one mentoring where you know, I meet with various people who might want more uh, focused assistance in you know, their own healing you know, and overcoming their own burdens and dealing with the issues that they're dealing with. Wow, that is, uh, that's quite an undertaking, Thomas. And I, I want to join Kyle in my enthusiasm about having you here on the podcast. And, you know, I'm guessing that in your mind, the idea of launching a podcast in the midst of, or launching your ministry, including a podcast and everything else, in the midst of, of all of the chaos we're going through, you know, with uh, the pandemic and everything, has really got to be uh, a, a challenging thing for you. What did you experience in launching in the midst of all of this? Great question. Honestly, a lot of grace because I had the I had the same thing, the same thoughts. Like, you know, really, God, I, He was definitely pushing for this, and so I was thinking, oh, you really want this now? Like, are people going to be too, you know, scared to to meet with me, or is there going to be too much fear to to deal with? But that wasn't the case. Uh, it seemed like a really good time to release a podcast, um, and it it seemed that the people were actually hungering for this even more because everything, you know, has been shut down. Uh, communication was actually very simple, you know, and able to, to reach people and, and people seem to be kind of on social media more on the internet more. So we're, we're kind of attacking, you know, through, through means of the, the internet uh, to kind of build up a, a community and, and find those who would need our, our ministry. So it seemed that, you know, while I, I don't know what it would have been looked like if we did this during a non-pandemic year, but it seemed like things have been going very well, you know, regardless. Thomas, you and your family currently live in the Atlanta uh, area. Is that where you're from originally? Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, your upbringing. Oh, yeah, sure. So I'm actually originally from Minnesota, very, you know, the, the cold north. Uh, when I was three, uh, we moved down to Atlanta uh, in Alpharetta area. It's actually now called Johns Creek, but it was always Alpharetta when we lived there. And we lived in the same house for, for several years. And I did a little bit of moving around uh, in my, you know, post high school days, but I settled, uh, settled in North Atlanta as well. Okay, and it was it was uh, during those high school years then that you really entered into these challenges that uh, that you had. So around fifteen, I, you know, I just fell away from my faith, uh, fell into drugs and alcohol, and in a hedonistic lifestyle, uh, very much fell for the the tricks of the culture. You know, I, I was it's almost like I was conditioned uh, to to be what I became. You know, an atheistic, you know, drug addicted alcoholic. Um, and that, you know, I, I paid attention too much to the, you know, what's on TV and in the movies and, you know, in the music, uh, you know, buying into the, the, the false promise that of you do whatever you want, whenever you want, that's how you'll be happy. You'll be happy through, through money, through, through success, through, through, you know, feeling good all the time. And that, that left me empty. So, you know, I was very much struggling through high school and then uh, I got in trouble with the law uh, several times my first year of college to the point where I had to drop out and, and uh, enter into rehab. My 19th year, 19 years old, I entered in and we, so I moved out to New Mexico for a year 
Um, and unfortunately, while I did kind of become a, a God believer, you know, I believed in God, uh, I was still very much, you know, into doing drugs and alcohol. Even in rehab, I was able to find, uh, you know, ways to do that, unfortunately. Um, I did get out of rehab and, you know, tried to remain sober and, and clean uh, in Destin, Florida. Uh, unfortunately, not the best place to do that. Uh, so here, there I was, you know, I was, I believed in God, a higher power. Uh, I had, you know, I had money. I lived on like directly on the beach. Um, I had, you know, acquaintances who I, you know, I would call friends. Uh, you know, I could party, I could drink, I could, you know, smoke pot. And so I had what I thought was going to make me happy and I wasn't happy. I was very miserable, uh, incredibly miserable. And so that, that misery is actually what pushed me uh, to find Jesus because I was, you know, thinking like, why am I so unhappy? I have everything. I've checked all the boxes, you know, that you're supposed to check. Uh, what's my problem? And then I just kind of thought, well, I've never given Jesus a chance. Uh, unfortunately, though, you know, it was still kind of a, a shallow faith in Jesus. It was, a, okay, I believe in him, but he still wants me to be happy. And that that path to happiness is still me doing whatever I want, whenever I want. So it was not a, a deep faith. It was more of like, uh, he's just my buddy who, you know, doesn't care if I get high. So I, I had that faith in, in him, uh, but I was still miserable. And then it was, it was through the guidance of my parents that I, I enrolled into a small liberal arts Catholic school in North Georgia uh, called Southern Catholic College. It was a, an amazing place. I still had a rough first year there, uh, but it was during that first year that, that God really introduced himself to me. You know, I was able to humble myself. Uh, I was open to the conversations I had with those in the community there, both teachers and students. Um, I found myself going to, to daily mass unexpectedly. I just drawn to it. I was drawn to it. I started through the, you know, the example of one of my professors, I started praying the daily rosary. And then I realized, okay, I, I want to receive the Eucharist. I want to, you know, I want to be happy. And I think that's how I'm going to do it is by doing what Jesus, you know, wants me to do as he tells us in the gospel and in the teachings of the church. Um, but I was still very much addicted. So it was a battle. Like I would, it was like a, a roller coaster ride where one day I'm like, yes, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit all this stuff. Uh, I'm gonna be sober. I'm gonna be clean. Uh, I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna be a good, you know, Catholic boy. And then the next day, you know, I, I would have fallen, you know, fallen off the wagon, as they say. And and it was so. It was a battle. Uh, I actually had to go to confession every day for two weeks. Because I, I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I'd go into the confessional and I'd say, you know, bless me, Father, if I've sinned, it's been one day <laughs> since my last confession. And I would leave that, I would leave that fully intending to never drink again, never sit, like I was committed. And then I'd go to my, my dorm room and I'd look at my book bag. Oh, look, there's a, a 40, you know, big beer uh, in my book bag. Can't waste that. And I drink that and I just... It was the end of the night, basically. I would be done. I would go and party. And I'd wake up the next morning feeling just miserable, 
uh, you know, regretting everything. And so I'd go back to, to confession and on all of that was to receive the Eucharist. Like I, I knew I couldn't receive the Eucharist in the state of sin. And that's, that's what I wanted more than anything. Cause God was definitely filling me up with the Eucharist. And so it was a few, few weeks, I think after the, you know, going to confession that it was finally just done. I was done with it. I had hit, I had hit rock bottom emotionally and I, I knew that I had to stop. And so it was April 24th, 2007, where I walked out of it all. Uh, and I've never turned back. It's been just a glorious almost 14 years now where, where, you know, I've, it's, I've been sober, I've been clean and, and I've just got like you, one of my biggest issues that I had with giving things up was I always thought, well, you know, I can't give this up. I like it too much. I'll lose too much if I give it up. But really what I've come to see is that like, you can't give up anything for, for God that he's not going to replace a thousandfold. Like he, he overdoes it in replacing it's, he is so generous and, and so good that it's really been, it's been an incredible, incredible 14 years. And like I said earlier, like he has even healed, you know, like the drinking and the drugging was, was symptoms. Like he, he went in and, and healed the, the causes, the root of the issues. And it's, it's been a tremendous experience, tremendous 14 years. This has got to be a real encouragement to a lot of young people that may be kind of struggling the same way. I mean, you probably grew up going, being baptized, being confirmed, and, you know, going through all of the sacraments, but then you begin to just move this trajectory just a little bit at a time, and then all of a sudden you find yourself way off. And uh, so it's really great to hear somebody that has done that, but you're able to not only recover, but the efficacy of the sacraments is reinvigorated in your life as you give yourself to him. For sure. Just be, being in the state of grace is, it's really not, it's like, it's underappreciated. I think in today's world, like it's, it's such a beautiful way of life. And that's, so I think, you know, just living in a state of grace should be everyone's goal. And like, we should promote that more. Like, listen, this is, this isn't, you know, boring. This isn't like, you know, like, like they, you know, people feel like the church is today where it's just, you know, something you have to sacrifice for and it's just a pain in the neck. Like, this is awesome. Thomas, when you were at Southern Catholic, I recall you sharing with me in the past uh, about a serious accident um, that nearly took your life. Um, can you talk some uh, to our audience about that experience? Sure. Yeah. So when I was 17, uh, right before my senior year of high school, I was you know, hanging out with some friends uh, and I actually called shotgun and we even had like a whole like disagreement. So we played rock, paper, scissors for it and I won. So I was sitting in the front seat. There were two kids in the back seat and a friend of mine was driving and she went off the road a little bit and overcorrected her steering. And we hit a telephone pole right where I was sitting. And I had just crazy brain swelling. I had a, a fracture on my neck that was a, million, a millimeter away from full body paralysis. Um, I had in the hospital, I had a seizure, I had bacterial meningitis, pneumonia, uh, in the accident, I think both of my lungs 
you know, deflated. Uh, basically, I woke up with like 12 tubes in my body, uh, including uh, the tracheotomy. Um, and it was just crazy. Like I, they basically, when they brought me to the hospital, my parents and my parents came, they were talking to the doctor and they asked him like, right after they took me, you know, in to, to Grady hospital, they said, you know, is our son going to live? And he said, you know what, we're gonna have to let you know in 48 hours. So it was, it was very serious. My, this was like, kind of like when the, like this would have gone viral if it was in like 2012, but this was in 2002. So the internet was kind of just email back then basically, and a few websites. Um, and so my dad, you know, sent out daily emails. He had people praying for me on multiple continents all over the country, just, you know, just tremendous amount of prayer, which I truly attribute my conversion to. The fact that you, you don't have that many people pray for you without something happening. So it was, it was scary for my family. I don't remember that time as much. I remember having to learn how to talk again and, and walk, um, you know, build up muscle. I remember going to, to the gym. They would take us to the, the YMCA, like struggling with like five pound weights, you know, and, and really, you know, working, working hard. Um, they said that first they said, well, we don't know if he's going to walk again. Then they said, okay, he'll walk, but he, he's not going to graduate with his class this year. But I was determined. So I got out in October and we worked with the school. I, I graduated on time. Uh, unfortunately, though, I, you know, I still had some bad decision making uh, skills. I was very talented at making bad decisions. Uh, but, it, you know, it was looking back, I think it has more of an effect on me than it did at the time I was very much just trying to like roll with the punches at the time, get to where I needed to be. And like, I guess get it behind me as quickly as possible. Whereas now I kind of take it in more and, and recognize like, wow, God really showed up for me. Now, when, when you were in college, was it a direct line from college to being uh, a theology teacher at, uh, at a middle and secondary school? Was it like this direct line? You knew that's what you were going to do. I so, so unfortunately Southern Catholic shut down my senior year. So it's it's kind of bittersweet because I had tons of work that I, I had to do in order to graduate. This whole project that they, that we had I had a bunch of papers that we had to type specifically for graduation on top of all the papers we had to type for our classes as well as the finals. And it was April and we we left for a spring break. And I'm thinking, man, this is gonna be so much work. And then over spring break, we get an email saying, unfortunately, the school's not going to make it. Um, so what, we're, we have to shut it down, but all the seniors are going to graduate. So I ended up not having to do any of the work and got kind of fast, fast to graduate. That was nice. Uh, but at the same time, it was such a, an amazing school. So like, it's, it's heartbreaking that it's no longer here. Um, so after, after that, though, I knew that I needed to get a job or go to, you know, a school that, you know, has kind of more of a, a, a credibility as you will, you know, it's going to be hard to get a job with a, Hey, I have a, a degree in theology, just my school shut down. So it's kind of hard to, to, to work that out. But I went to Franciscan uh, in Steubenville uh, for a year. I was able to earn my master's in a year uh, in theology. And I went from there to a small school in Savannah and I taught there and, it was a, a huge, huge learning experience. 
but we eventually moved back to Atlanta to be closer to family. And, and then that's when I started at, at Holy Spirit. Uh, when you were discerning uh, uh, going into the classroom, Thomas, as a, as a teacher after uh, finishing at Franciscan, were there some influences, um, role models uh, in your life that had an impact on that uh, ultimate discernment? Well, I was already set by by the time I was a, uh, I was already thinking about it at my conversion at 21, and then I graduated Southern at 25, and so I was already just I was already set that that's what I wanted to do, uh, because I you know my goal was to help you know teenagers avoid the same mistakes that I did. You know, I was a teenager when I became an atheist. I, I fell for the the tricks of the world, the the false teachings of the world, the I bought into all the misconceptions, which really shaped me uh, to live a hollow, empty life. And so my greatest desire was to help teenagers uh, avoid that. And, and with all my heart, that's what I did every day was try to help them reckon, realize, hey, there's something more out there that's far better than any drug or any, any drink or any, any sin. Uh, so while there were amazing teachers, I had a, a class with Dr. Han. Scott Han was one of my teachers. Uh, Dr. Alan Shrek, amazing man. Dr. Hild Stephen Hildebrand, amazing. Uh, Sister Johanna is a, an amazing nun who she teaches up there catechetics. And Dr. Bob Rice, they were amazing. They definitely played a huge role, huge role in, in my formation. And I took a lot of what I learned from them. Uh, and brought it into the classroom. So I'm I'm so grateful for my time there. And I would 100% recommend that school to anyone who was, you know, trying to, you know, thinking about a, a you know, Catholic school to go to. Definitely. So you were you were in the classroom. You were teaching, and uh, hopefully bringing about life change by just the ministry that you have to the students. So what happened to shift you? away from education to move more into what is now Zenith Ministries? God, God kind of showed up, Father, just to be totally blunt. Like he, I was, I was praying, you know, and was praying about what he wanted for my life. And he let me know. I, I started, I started really, you know, I was receiving clear messages from him that, that one, he is very much, uh, present in my life, uh, <laughs> he is. He's got. He's got an opinion on how things should go, and and so he pushed me to to realize with with you know amazing experiences that there's there's something more than that, that I could be doing than simply just trying to teach the faith, form form young people, um, and. You know, because I was trying to introduce these te these teens to to Jesus in the classroom, and God God made He wanted me to know that there's a another another arena that I could be doing it at. So I, I went to my principal and my my headmaster. I let them know that I, I would be leaving, um, and then and then I kind of chickened out. I went into into the business world for a little while as a, a recruiter and the downstream petroleum industry. But then even there, God kind of like knocked on the door and told me like, no, this, you're not, you're not doing the right thing right now. I want you to start this healing ministry. 
And yeah, and actually, you know, I prayed about it and I'll share with you guys. It's an amazing story. I prayed a novena to St. John Paul II. And keep in mind, the, it was during the, the shutdown. So everything's shut down. There's, you can't go to Mass on a Sunday. And, and so God is, is working with me. And so w- when I went, met my wife, there was this whole thing with St. Therese, and I prayed a novena, and she, showed, she gave me a rose on the ninth day to, to, teach, to tell me to wait for my wife. So God, and I did. And so God has worked with me through novenas frequently. And so what was supposed to happen for this novena was if I received the Eucharist, on the tenth day, uh, after the novena, then I would I'm supposed to start this ministry, and so I'm like, really, God? Like, it, it's, it seems like the answer is already no. <laughs> you can't go to mass, and so I, I almost didn't pray it, but I, I started the novena anyway. And like two days into it, my wife says, "Hey, did you hear? They're they're gonna open up mass again." on Sundays. And I thought, okay, great. And then I counted the days of the novena and the 10th day was on a Thursday. Like, well, fine. But then another, like, I think another day later, uh, turns out a church close to our house has this perfect spot to have outdoor masses. And so they said they're going to have it every day. And so I'm thinking that's awesome. But then I still wanted to be careful, make sure it's God and not me. So I, I went to my wife and I said, Hey, listen, I'd love to go to mass this week, is there a day that, you know, would be good for me to go? Can I go one day? What day would you like me to go? And she said, mm, well, you know, yeah, it'd be great. And I don't care when you go. So just go whenever. And I thought, okay, but if you had to choose, <laughs> uh, you know, because I wanted to make sure it was God. And she said, I don't care. Just go. when." So I, I went on Tuesday and then I went again on Thursday and I received and it was, um, it was a miracle. And I knew for sure because it was like I said, like everything was shut down. You couldn't go to mass. And then in the middle of this, this novena, God makes it possible. And uh, so I knew, and there, you know, there were other, other, you know, very powerful, powerful signs that he, he was using to to teach me and and to, to move me. And I did it. And it's like, he's helped me do so much with his ministry already. Lives have been changed. Like I'm like actual lives have been switched and trajectory and going, you know, into to glorious places. Uh, I prayed for a team because I know I couldn't do it by myself. And within a week, I had three people added to my team who were completely committed to the goal that we were on. Uh, and then one of the one of the team members had a wife. And so then she's been added since. Uh, and it's just been, it's been glorious. It's been such a beautiful, it's been a roller coaster ride, but it's been such a, a beautiful experience. That's awesome, Thomas. Uh, a big part of our uh, audience on Follow to Lead are those ministering in our Catholic schools. Uh, you yourself uh, were a high school theology teacher for a number of years. Thomas, what do you think is the greatest need our Catholic school teachers have today? Sure. Oh, it's so hard out there. It really is because there's so many, there's so many of opinions and voices, uh, misconce- misconceptions, uh, just being communicated to the these these students today. Like they're bombarded by mixed messaging almost nonstop. 
because even when they're not even when they're not in class, they're they'll be on their device, you know, in between classes or at lunch and after school, and so they're they're bombarded. I think uh, my goal was always to to get them in, in touch with Jesus, like because I knew like yeah, I can try to convince kind of like Saint Paul in in First Corinthians chapter two. He said, you know. I can't remember exactly how I said it, but it was you know, basically, I, I'm just trying to convince you guys with the power of Christ because my words are not adequate enough. And so I would try to be convincing, use, use, you know, profound, you know, clever teachings and sayings, but really we need to get them to, to encounter God. And I think three, three ways, you know, just thinking about that, but I think that that can happen is, if we incorporate scripture a lot in our teachings, even in like math and, and social studies and science, like bring scripture into that and then let the kids see how, how powerful the scriptures are because that, and side note, like I think scripture, like if we, if we kind of encounter scripture every day, and it make that equal to, or if not more, to the amount that we encounter the lies that we hear in in, in media and the movies and 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 whatnot. Uh, that's going to be powerful. Uh, I think there needs to be a correction of the misconceptions that are being spread. Uh, like I don't know how much different my life would be if someone you know took me aside and said, "Listen, uh, life isn't about feeling good all the time." You know, there's more to that. I mean, honestly, would I have listened to that? I don't know. But, you know, it would have it would have been good, though, to have that misconception corrected and then uh, increase faith by giving examples of faith. So let let these kids see your faith. And I'm sure everyone already knows this, too. This, you know, this is going back to, you know, popes have, have said this and like, you uh, Evangelic Evangelium Nutiandi. I think that was Paul the Sixth who wrote that. You know, said like, modern man listens listens to witnesses more than he does teachers. Uh, but still, like the faith increases uh, when we hear stories of faith or, or or see someone living out faith. And so I think if we do those things, and there are many more that we could add to the list, but. Those three, I think, would really help, you know, students encounter Jesus. And you know, those those three, I actually try to to utilize it in my ministry. And, and another thing too, one on one relational ministry. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of a lot of people feel uh, just like they're not paying attention to enough, and because there's so much to pay attention to in the world today, that it's you can kind of feel lost like okay you know that was the last time you know their parent even looked them in the eyes when they talked to them you know with all these devices and whatnot so i think you know and it, it might seem like you know you have so much to do as a teacher like can you really give that amount of attention uh, well no you can't give that amount of attention to all your students but what, what did jesus do he chose 12 and then even in those 12, he took three, Peter, James, and John, and then gave them, you know, extra attention. And so if we, you know, if, if someone just, you know, chooses just a couple, maybe there's a student who you definitely get along with, uh, he or she is already coming to you regularly anyway, you know, feed that child. Uh, or, or, you know, someone who you think might need extra help more than others. I think, 
we shouldn't feel like, oh, that's not fair to the other students because like that's how Jesus worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go back to something that you said about a teacher and a witness. Is that something that uh, you think that uh, teachers need to be aware of today in terms of incorporating both um, of those media uh, in the classroom with the students that they need to be a teacher, but at the same time, they need to manifest a witness uh, there? I think so. I think, I think the students need real life examples. They need to see what it's like in the real world because if not, then it's too heady and it's, you know, they're, you know, how, how do they, how do they live it out if they only know, you know, what to do in their head? How do they transfer it to their heart if they don't see how someone else does that? Mm -hmm. And that can happen in a science class or a math class as well as a theology class then. Yeah. And I actually, I, I said, sometimes I regretted becoming a theology teacher because I, I, I wish, oh man, if only if I became a history teacher, a science, or, you know, I could kind of like come at these kids, you know, teaching them Jesus, but through math. Like I, uh, I yeah. would have been, would have been awesome because they wouldn't be expecting it as much and it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't have maybe felt more like as in their face as, you know, sometimes walking, you know, a kid is, you know, his parents are on the verge of divorce at home. Uh, like all their friends are mad at them. And then they walk into a, a classroom and like, you know, it's like Jesus, like talking nonstop about Jesus might be too much. It's like, you know, when you turn on a, a light in a dark room and it's too bright for your eyes, you know, so it might've been, maybe it might've been more fun to do it that way. But I, I was having a lot of fun too, as a theology teacher. Well, Thomas, having been your colleague for a number of years, I know personally that you are not just a great deliverer of theology content, but a great witness and uh, a fantastic um, model um, and um, just a, an exemplar of, of someone who has recovered, has blazed a trail, um, has been graced by God, and that story has um, impacted so many of our students, I know, and um, that has been a great gift. I really appreciate that, Kyle. That, that has been my prayer for so long. So praise the Lord that he would do that with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I think the idea of being a witness sometimes is a little scary to teachers to actually let themselves become vulnerable in front of the students. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it is scary. I mean, getting up in front of a bunch of teenagers who just sit there and stare at you <laughs> is scary. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of thinking about your ministry right now and, and really making an impact in people's lives, what keeps you up at night? So I, I do sleep. I guess coffee keeps me up at night. Uh, but I know, I know what you're saying. So what, what worries me is, is, you know, it is, is the fact that, you know, there's so many, there's, there's just a, tremendous falsehoods out there that people buy into and it just breaks my heart uh, because there's, there's so much, there's something better. It's, it's so much better. Like there's the Psalm 81, you know, better is one day in his course than a thousand days elsewhere. And that's been like my, my life. Like I would take just 
one day of my life now than a, a thousand days of my old life where I was living on the beach, partying every day. Like it is so much better. God is so much better. And so it just, it breaks my heart to see so many people go down the same path that I went down or, or even to, to be just totally wounded and to, you know, left on the side of the road um, and without any direction, without, you know, knowing what to do or how to fix it. That just, it breaks my heart. And so that's that kind of what, that's, that's that kind of, you know, is what keeps me up at night, but in a way also my motivation to, to help people like that, to, to point them in the right direction and accompany them to the, the peace and joy that we can, we can have, that God wants for us. If there was one message, Thomas, you'd like to share with anyone who might be struggling with challenge of addiction or a life-altering circumstance, what might that be? A hope, 100%. Hope, hope, hope. It's, there's, you, can never, you can never fall too far. Right? I, was like, I was like the quintessential, like people could point to me and say, oh, he's never going to be holy. He'll never go to heaven. Like that is the kid. I was, I was far. And so my message to everyone is, is there's always hope. It's never too late. Uh, you've never messed up too much. Uh, God still loves you. He still has uh, amazing plans for you. And if that's you listening right now, like God, God loves you tremendously and has amazing plans for you. He just can't, he can't work in your life if you don't give him permission. So just say yes. Give, grant him permission and, and be ready to be amazed by what he does for you. That's great. And uh, just thinking about things that you'd like to communicate, you know, we're, we're living in a time where we see um, the church kind of struggling, not just to maintain, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, in a bit of a, a downward uh, decline. And this really impacts, uh, I think, Catholic schools in a huge way. Some of our uh, viewers and listeners are Catholic school leaders. They're those that are uh, involved in leading uh, elementary schools, high schools, uh, or, uh, you know, a variety of different things like that. If you had one thing to say to Catholic school leaders in terms of where we are now and what you really believe God wants to do through our Catholic schools, what would you say? Good question. So if I were leading a school or if I was to share with leaders of school, what, you know, what to do is, is don't be afraid. Like the, the Bible says, and I was just, I was just praying about this this morning. Like the Bible says, like one day, every knee shall bend. You know, to the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess. Like we won. We are victorious through you know, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we just don't know how we're getting to that spot. So the, the end is known how we get there. So just hold on. Don't be afraid. Love as many people as you can while you have breath in your lungs, especially your kids. If, if those kids feel loved by you, then they will, like, that's St. John Bosco, you know, stuff, like make sure that they don't just love them, but like, make sure they know that you love them. If they feel loved by you, they're going to, they're going to listen and they're going to, they're going to be okay. 
Tom, if it, Thomas, if there's some high school students uh, listening to our podcast um, and, and they might be struggling too with alcohol or, or drugs, what resources or directives, advice might you, might you provide them? Oh, sure. So it, it really depends on, you know, how serious it is. But the one uh, amazing uh, rehab facility that I, I would constantly reference uh, or refer people to is uh, Chinacolo, C-E-N-A-C-L-O. Chinacolo, I think that's how it's spelled. But it's uh, they have multiple facilities all over the world, actually. The main one is in St. Augustine, Florida. And they, they bring you in, I think for a low cost even, uh, and you live in community, uh, centering your life around the Eucharist and really learn how to overcome uh, your, your issues. Because it, it can be a variety of addictions, uh, but you overcome your issues and kind of learn to replace, replace the addiction with God, which is amazing. Um, AA is still a an excellent, an excellent, uh, so a resource for overcoming alcoholism. And there are other, other types of anonymous programs like NA, um, as well, narcotics anonymous, uh, and sexual addicts anonymous as well. Essay, I think that's called that can, that can do wonders like that. AA is kind of what helped me, you know, leave atheism behind it and put me on that trajectory of, of, uh, of the faith. Uh, anyone who is, you know, between the ages of 18 and, and 45, uh, we, that's who we kind of focus on. Uh, you give us a call. We're at 470-253-0802 uh, or email us at email zenithministries at gmail.com. So it's all one word, email zenithministries at gmail.com or visit our website uh, zenithministries.com and we'd love to to help anyone out who needs uh, assistance uh, either they're struggling with addiction or they have anxiety depression or they just want more from from their life they want that that full abundant life that jesus promises in john 10 10 well thomas we are so glad that uh you're with us today on follow to lead this has been a, a rich conversation and i just thank god for what he's done in your life and just the transformation that has taken place is really exciting and uh i can tell from what's on the back room of, on the back wall of your room there and those of you that are listening to the podcast can't see it but there's a guitar hanging there and i'm sure it's not just for decoration is that a part of what you do as well Oh, it is. It is. Oh, I lo I've always loved music. Uh, I've always, and then, you know, since my conversion, praise and worship has played a huge, tremendous role. Uh, so yeah, we, we sing a lot of praise and worship in our events uh, with Zenith Ministries. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, as I'm sure you know, Father, works through music. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a big part, and I've really, really enjoyed it and, and appreciate that I can still do it. So there's a, it sounds like your ministry has a lot of joy-filled moments in the midst of dealing with a lot of really heavy subjects and heavy issues. Yeah, it, it does. Um, you know, it's, it's life, though. That's, that's life. But at the same time, you know, with God, it's, it's better, you know, even though there, there's heaviness, even though there's sadness. It's okay to feel sad, but... With God, that sad is the sadness is is transformed, you know, elevated. It's like a more satisfying sadness. Wow, it's a beautiful way to put it. I like that. Hey, Kyle, anything uh, you want to 
uh, add here as we wrap things up? Uh, no, this has been such an edifying conversation, uh, Thomas. Uh, I, I truly count it as a blessing that uh, you've been a part of my life and I've gotten to know you and um, your strength and, and story has been uh, a source of, of strength and hope in my own life. So I greatly appreciate it. Uh, that means a lot, Kyle. I really appreciate it. I've, I've always enjoyed, you know, our relationship as well. I appreciate you. And thank you too, Father, for for having me on. It's been a joy meeting you and, and speaking with you as well. Oh, well, I, it's, it's just been a, a, a wonderful. And uh, I think for a lot of uh, people out there, maybe some hope has really been sown into their hearts for circumstances they may be dealing with that, that God is there and he is able to act. Uh, that's my prayer for them as well. That's great. Well, again, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, also to those who are, are watching, those who are listening, if you haven't done this already, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And uh, we also do want to thank our production team. We have our interns, John Sampson and Alex Shire, uh, working on our production, as well as the uh, supervisor, Mr. Jack Alsbach. And uh, they're the ones responsible for the production of this podcast. So we do want to thank them. And so on behalf of uh, Kyle, myself, and our guest today, Thomas Clements, uh, we want to wish you a wonderful day, and may Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.